Hi everyone and thank you so much for joining with us today wherever you are watching us uh, online in New Zealand or overseas. Also a special welcome of course to our campuses from across this nation and also in Australia. Here in New Zealand we're at day 25 out of 28 and so we should be out of lockdown very very soon. We're out of level 4 and into level 3 which will give us some relief. I was just so pleased, as I'm sure you were as well, to see the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Uh, you know, his life seemed to be in the balance to come through recovery from COVID-19. We do need to pray for all our leaders at this time across the globe because they're making serious decisions that affect lives of millions, billions of people. So it's important they make right decisions. So please do continue to pray for them because they are in uncharted territory. They've not been this way before. As we come to the Word of God today, just pray with me, please. Father, I just thank you for your presence that's with us in every home or wherever people are watching today. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would invade their homes and also their hearts. And through your Word today, would you speak a word in season? Lord, a word that's going to lift our hearts and lift our spirits, that's going to encourage us, strengthen us, but also give us guidance and direction. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. I pray every person watching today will have a moment with you, an encounter where they hear your voice, that Lord, this message won't only be information, but it will be transformation. Lord, we ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, last week we talked about the fortress which, or the refuge, which is Romans 8, 28. How God works all things together for good for them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. I hope you're locking yourself inside that fortress, inside that refuge. But here's a question. What do you think would be the greatest possible good that God could work in your life? What would that look like? I want to suggest the answer to that question is that God would work in your life and shape your life for your destiny. In other words, to fulfill his purpose for your life. You know, this is a thing that motivates me more than anything else. What gets me out of bed in the morning, why I might sacrifice, pray, fast, you know, go without some things. It's all in order for me to fulfill the purpose for which God put me on the planet. The reason I have breath today. For me, everything else is of limited significance to that one great cause and purpose uh, for my life. And God is constantly at working in our hearts and in our lives to shape us for the plan he has for us. And every trial I face, that's the way I look at it. Every day, God has designed it to shape me, to fulfill his plan for my life. And this is a pattern of scripture. You think of Moses, 40 years in the desert. Think of David running from a mad king, javelins being thrown at him. Think of Joseph in a pit and, and in the prison. What was that all about? Well, we know God was working in each and every one of their lives so they would fulfill his purpose and be people of significance and of influence. So God is at work in your life today. Everything you're facing, he's moving you towards the great future that he has for your life. I read this about Sir Isaac Newton, that great scientist. He discovered the laws of motion. Would you believe when he had to work from home during the Great Plague of London? 
expect new discoveries for your life during this time of lockdown. God can work it for such incredible good. One of my favorite comments that I say to a lot of people is that there are seeds of greatness in every single human being, including you. Please don't limit what's in you because you're made in the image of God. He makes no junk within you as abilities and talents. And through the season, through every crisis, God is wanting to bring those things to the surface and to the fore. So you be the person he has called you to be. Now, I'm not talking greatness in the world's sense of fame and popularity and money and position and power. No, not at all. I'm talking about kingdom of God, God greatness, which is different. It can be greatness in prayer, working with children, in media. It, it could be in hospitality. It could be in loving the unlovely. You know, there's so many areas in which it could be being a mother, a father, being a mentor, getting alongside people, being a Barnabas. Look, it's, it's endless, um, the greatness that God has called us to. But, you know, my definition of greatness, the ultimate definition, is that you fulfill the purpose of God for your life. It's as simple as that. Faithfulness to God's call is greatness. And guess what? We can all do that. <laughs> We don't have to do what anyone else is doing. We just have to do what God has called us to do. And every circumstance, every situation, this is my message, is God is shaping you to bring forth the greatness that is in you. You see, because what happens is this, this is what I've found, that struggle, difficulty, self-isolation can develop and bring forth the greatness that is resident within all of us. It's a bit like gold. How's gold formed? It's formed in the darkness. <laughs> Sadly, it's formed under great pressure. And pressure, listen to this, can bring forth and force the seeds of greatness that are in you to come to the service. I want to expand on that a little bit more today. See, the Christian composer had a low point in his life. His money was gone, facing debt as prison. The stress paralyzed him so badly that he couldn't walk and he couldn't feel anything on his right side. That moment in his life, he was ready to give it all up. And that may be you today. You may be ready to give it up. I'm saying, please don't give up. Because after a season of prayer, this composer writer decided to have one more try at writing music. George Frederick Handel wrote The Messiah, considered the greatest piece of sacred music ever written. His crisis revealed the greatness that was in him all along. I'm telling you, God is wanting to bring forth the greatness that is in your life and also in my life. See, in any crisis, think about this. The devil's goal is the opposite. What does he want to do? He wants to abort the seeds of greatness before they bear fruit. Please don't give him that privilege and that honor. Let your crisis bring forth what God has put in you because there's more to your life than currently shows. There's a lot more to come out yet. There are great days, honestly, ahead for you. So, Here's some lessons or a lesson from the butterfly. Now, most of you know that uh, before a caterpillar emerges into what it was created to be, a beautiful 
beautiful butterfly. What happens is it has to go into a cocoon. It goes into shutdown, if you like. It goes into lockdown. Why? For essential transformation to take place inside it. So it can emerge what? Into its, you got it, destiny. What it was created to be. But the key for the caterpillar is this. It's got to stay in that cocoon. Shutdown, lockdown, crisis, if you like. Hemmed in by circumstances until the necessary transformation has taken place in its life. I guess that's why someone like Moses is 40 years in the desert. Hopefully that's not going to be true for you. You know, Joseph, 10 years plus. David, 10 years plus. They had to stay in their circumstance, the confinement, until the necessary transformation had taken place. And so that's what the caterpillar has to do. Now, the danger is if the caterpillar, and people have tried to help caterpillars out of the cocoon, the danger is if you let it out too early, it, the problem is it can't fly. Because the confinement was to strengthen its wings, give it strength, so when it emerged at the appointed time, it would fly like a beautiful butterfly. Think about this. You're created to fly. Oh, yes, you are. Don't diminish yourself. Don't underestimate yourself. You're made in God's image. He wants you to fly. And right now, if you allow what's happening in your life to shape you and mold you, you're going to fly for sure. I was outside the other day, my home, and I was looking at this fence and this photo is going to come up for you on the screen. And I saw this beautiful flower poking through the fence. And I thought, this is amazing. This flower, it's in restriction, it's in confinement, it's having to get itself through the crack in the fence, there's no fertile soil around it. And yet, despite all that, it was able to bloom and become a beautiful flower. I was thinking about this, and the thought that came to my mind was that in God's creation of that flower, He put within it the ability to break through restriction, confinement, desert, if you like, and bloom where it was planted. Now think about this. God has put in you supernatural ability to push through all confinements, trials, struggles, battles, desert experiences in your life, and to bloom and to show forth fruit and be transformed and become what God's called you to be, to bloom where you're planted. Wherever it is today, whatever you're facing, it's in you. No matter how big the challenge, no matter how great it is, you may feel like giving up. No, don't. Because <laughs> in you, is, if it's in the flower, come on, it's in all creation. It's also in you that you can prosper and you can bloom wherever God has placed you. You know, there's, I've, I've looked this up. In deserts, barren deserts, there are certain flowers. You'll see them on the screen. That just beautiful flowers that bloom and show forth their, their, their magnificence in the middle of deserts. Wow. It's just amazing. Can I share with you what I consider to be one of the major keys if you're going to bloom in your desert, in your circumstances, in your confinement, in your trial? 
In John 20 and verse 4, we read these words, they ran both together. John did outrun Peter and came first to the tomb. So John was at the cross on Friday when Jesus died. And he was in at the empty tomb on Sunday after Jesus had risen. So the question you've got to ask is, what did Jesus do? What did, sorry, what did John do? What did John do Saturday between the Friday's tragedy, the death of Jesus, and Sunday's triumph, the resurrection of Jesus? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what John did. You'd think he might disappear, run away. They'd already killed his leader. Surely they're going to come after him next. And we know that John, all we know is that John was still around on the Sunday afterwards. And John must have been confused. He must have been shattered, devastated, hurt. Would have been easily, easy for him to leave Jesus at that stage. But John stayed. And John, we know, is always one to stay close to Jesus. So what about you and me? When we're facing a crisis, when it's Saturday in your life, and you're between yesterday's tragedy and tomorrow's triumph, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave God? like many have historically, or are you going to stay close? And you know, God can help you stay close on Saturday. Joshua 1 verse 8, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. God can help you stay close on Saturday. And because John chose to stay close to Jesus on the Saturday of his life, he was around on Sunday to see the miracle, to see the triumph. How amazing is that? See, what we do on the Saturday of our lives is all important. Whether we're going to be around to see the triumph, because God, I'm telling you, has got many triumphs, victories, blessings in store for you. As hard as it may be to believe, you could be only one Saturday away from your resurrection. You know, when Adrian and I went through the Philippines, many of you know the story. It was dark time, very dark time. It was Saturday in our lives. It really was. And it went on for years. By the grace of God, by His help, by what He had put in us, the supernatural ability, we were able to stay close on Saturday. And today, we're experiencing so much of God's favor, blessing and triumph. And sometimes I think, We could have missed it all if we didn't stay close on Saturday. You can do it. God's put it in you. The Bible greats, they all went through Saturdays. You're not chosen especially to suffer more than anyone else. I think of Job, lost his family, his health, lost everything. Not many of us are going to go through what Job did. But we know that Job stayed close to God. Watch this. He ends up with twice as much afterwards than before. Imagine if Job had decided, I'm out of here. God, if that's the way you're going to treat me, I'm not following you anymore. He would have missed out on the most incredible blessings that God had in store for his life. We can go through with other people like David. He stayed close when the king was chasing him, wanted to kill him. Ends up one of Israel's greatest kings and leaders. Amazing. We could go on. There's Joseph. We all face Saturdays in our lives, but with God's help, we can stay close 
you may be just a Saturday away from your triumph. So hang in there and ask God to help you to stay close to him. I just want to talk for a while now, talking about being shaped for destiny. And I believe that right now God is shaping his church for its destiny. It's shaping you and shaping me because we are the church. And so we can be more equipped to reach a lost world, bring transformation, ultimately to bring revival. I think it's time for the Daniels, time for Josephs to rise into places of influence in our nation. And it's my prayer that this crisis that the church is facing right now will bring forth the greatness that's in the church. Look, we haven't seen nearly the potential that is resident within the church of Jesus Christ. It's called to be the greatest force for transformation and good in the whole world. It is the only one with connection to heaven and the power of God. The church is the hope of the world. And may we rise in this season to the greatness that God has called the church to be. Because you take the church out, think about this, take the church out of the world, total, utter, complete darkness. The world would just, it's in free fall anyway, it would just almost disappear. It would be a disaster. But one of the amazing indicators to me that God is in control of everything that's happening is that before shutdown, guess what? Media was established in the world. We have Shine Television, we have Rima, we have other Christian organizations, we have churches that now have gone online. This was in place. Imagine if this shutdown had happened 100 years ago, even 50 years ago, we would be stuck in terms of being able to communicate. But God is always a few steps ahead of the devil. And so now through online ministry, we're actually reaching more people than we were previously. One of the best things for me is our church unlimited prayer um, meetings that we have on Thursdays and, and Sundays at 7 and 8 p.m. are reaching 10 times more people than we were previously. I don't feel that the devil, poor devil, he's a loser. He just loses no matter what he throws at us. He is a loser. So God is advancing the church in a tremendous way. Acts 19 verse 20 says this, In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Now, one of the things I see happening in this crisis is that we're realizing the church is not just a building. The church is continuing. Okay, not in a building, but in, and, but in homes. But, and in some aspects, the church is actually doing better than before. Like there's greater love, there's greater connection. See, Christianity starts at home. Think about that. And so this shutdown is forcing families to have church at home. <laughs> they're having to sing, they're having to worship, listen to sermons, give spiritual input into their kids. This has all only got to be good for the future of the church. Because, you know, we've prayed, haven't we, for over the years, we've prayed for our services. God move in the service, let the presence of God come, etc. etc. What are we doing now? We're praying, God, come into our homes. Move by your spirit in your home. Pour out your spirit in our homes. Honestly, if we can get homes coming out stronger from this crisis, wow, the church is going to be so much stronger, so much more powerful because strong church, a church is only as strong as the homes that make it up. And once you've got strong homes, you've got strong churches, which make for a strong community, strong city, and a strong nation. 
God is powerfully at work shaping his church for destiny. But I want to come to and repeat a prophetic word given by David Wilkerson. Please listen carefully because I want to pick up on some thoughts on this. It's one of the most accurate prophetic words I've heard. 1986, he said, I see a plague coming on the world. Bars, churches, government will shut down. Plague will hit New York City. That's so specific, isn't it? And shake it like it's never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. That's a good thing. Repentance will be the cry of the man in the pulpit. And out of this will come the third great awakening, which will sweep America and the world. There's two key words there that you might want to pick up on, or you may not want to pick up on, prayer and repentance. I want to connect this with 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. If we want to see our land healed, which most nations in the world right now need, the Bible makes it very clear the two key words in 2 Chronicles 7.14 are prayer and repentance, turning from wicked ways. I believe there is an unprecedented call of the Spirit to every Christian right now globally to pray like never before. I heard this, this wonderful quote, the great people of the earth today are the people who pray. Wow. Wow. The great people of the earth today. because. Prayer is the only thing that moves the hand of God. Sermons don't. A lot of the other things that we do, they, they, they don't move the hand of God. Only God moves the hand. Only God's hand is moved through prayer. And you connect that with Ian Bounds. I shared this last week. God shapes the world by prayer. That's gripped my heart. I don't know what it's done for you, but that's gripped my heart. That means that you know, if, if all Christians believed that the world is shaped by prayer, we would soon be rid of COVID-19 and there would soon be an outbreak of God across the globe. No question about that. It's time for all Christians to be the great of the earth and pray. The time has come. It's now, not next week, not next year, now. And I think it's no exaggeration, friends, to say to you today that the future of the world, listen, is in the hands of the church. The future of the world. It's in my hands. It's in your hands. Let's rise in this moment of crisis. And let's shape the future of the world and make it what God wants it to be. Here's an illustration of what happens when there's prayer taking place on a large scale. In 1940, Hitler had one third of a million British troops with their backs to the sea. They were facing certain death. It was a disaster. But it didn't happen. King George called for a national day of prayer and for the people of the UK, now listen to this, to turn back to God in a spirit of repentance. This is the king calling the nation to prayer and repentance. Amazing. You're going to see a photo on the screen of the crowds lining up outside of churches. Because I was so desperate, the nation responded to the call of the king. Two events happened. Firstly, a violent storm arose over the whole region of Dunkirk, which grounded the Luftwaffe. And secondly, a great calm came over the channel, a calm not seen for a generation. What that did 
is that it allowed hundreds of boats to sail across and rescue 335,000 soldiers. It's been called nationally as the miracle of Dunkirk. Can you see the power of prayer? Can you see what God can do? The impossible, the unbelievable, the miraculous, when not just one or two people pray, but when masses join together in prayer. But also there was the thought there of repentance. Many people flinch at this word. <laughs> it's amazing. And yet my experience is that repentance is one of the most wonderful words found in all of Scripture. Do you know what it'll do? It'll set you free. It'll release great blessing in your life, bring you greater peace and greater joy. Acts 3.19 says this, Repent so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Among the first words Jesus spoke, Mark 1.15, Repent and believe in the gospel. D.L. Moody put it this way, Repentance is getting out of one train, which is the wrong train, <laughs> and getting into another train, getting into the right train. What do we repent of? Obviously, sin, compromise, but also loss of first love, pleasures of life. Could be pride, could be attitudes. Let me give you a personal example. When I was an associate pastor many decades ago now, days of now I like to call it, I got myself into an absolute mess. I got very negative, bad attitudes towards leadership, and I said things I shouldn't say. Somehow in the middle of this, I did an extended fast. And, and sometime into the fast, God spoke to me. And he said, Tate, you need to repent and go to three pastors and ask for forgiveness. I thought, what? <laughs> My initial reaction was, no way. They need to repent and come to me. But no, it was the voice of God. Somehow he gave me this courage. I went to them one by one, one by letter, and two, I was able to knock on the doors and, and found the courage somehow to ask, humble myself and ask for repentance. It was not easy to do, but I did it. And they were all very gracious and you know, gave me forgiveness pretty quickly. But you know what the amazing thing is? It was only a short time after that that God opened the door to me for me to lead Church Unlimited and to see the things that we're seeing today. Sometimes I wonder, if I had not repented and put those things right, would I be doing what I'm doing today? I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm sure glad I repented because it opens the door to the favour, the blessing and the goodness of God. The Wales Revival, Evan Roberts, the message he preached that sparked that phenomenal revival. Two of the points were very simple. They were one, confess every known sin to God and two, Remove every doubtful habit from your life. I want to wrap this up. Last week, I awoke in the night, two o'clock in the morning. It's not often that I know God is speaking to me in the night, but this time I knew. I, I knew it was the voice of God. And he reminded me of a famous painting. This painting is of the devil playing forced at chess for his soul. In the painting, some of you will know it is titled Checkmate. Two men were having a look at this painting. They visited that region and they're watching this chess game and they became very intrigued. 
And one man became quite troubled. He just kept looking at it. He was really interested in this. He happened to be a champion chess player. And after a while, the chess champion says the title checkmate is wrong. He said it's not checkmate. He said the king has one more move. Friends, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying the King, King Jesus, has one more move. He has a global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In the midst of this pandemic and a world in chaos, the King has one more move, a mighty outbreak of God's spirit and power like we have never seen, unprecedented in the history of the church. As we rise in prayer and repentance, and I believe it takes both, let's believe together for the greatest move of God with millions, if not billions, coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let me bring it back to your own personal life. When it looks like checkmate, looks like it's over, it looks like you're beat, looks like you're done, you're ready to quit. Don't. Don't. Why? Because the king, your king, Jesus, always, always has one more move. He can bring you through. He can bring you out and turn your tragedy into a glorious and magnificent triumph. In every circumstance of life, God is shaping you, shaping me, and shaping the church for the wonderful destiny that he has for us. May this be yours and the church's finest hour. That is my sincere heartfelt prayer for the church and for you. God bless you. I want to talk for a few moments to those watching today. You're not looking at this by chance. It is an appointment from God. But you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. And maybe you're at the end of your rope. Maybe you're facing a crisis and you're desperate. Can I say the king has one more move? And the first move that he has for you is to bring you into a relationship with himself. Ultimately, that is your decision. But if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe you're away from God, but you feel a stirring within your heart today, and you know it's time to make peace with God, can I tell you it would be the, the greatest single decision you could ever make in your life. Jesus went to a cross, crucified, died, rose again, shed his blood that you might be forgiven of every sin you have ever committed. And once you receive Jesus into your heart, you have the promise of eternal life, which simply means you live forever in heaven with Jesus. It's called salvation. It's called being born again. And I want to invite you today to make that decision. 
please don't hesitate. Don't let anything stop you. Don't postpone it. Don't delay it. Don't procrastinate. Today is the day of salvation. This is your moment right here, right now, as you watch me on the screen. And all you need to do is pray this very simple prayer after me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much that you love me. You died upon a cross for me and you shed your blood to every last drop. I confess I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. Wash me clean, I pray. And now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please, would you do something really important for us? Would you press the button on the screen? We would love to help. We would love to connect with you. If you're watching on Shine, please contact them or else contact us at info at churchunlimited.co.nz. We would love to hear from you. But right now, we're going to join together. Stand if you can, wherever you are. And we're going to sing this fantastic song, How Great Is Our God. And the reason I want to sing that song is because no matter what you're going through today, no matter what trial you're facing today, your, our God is greater than your trial, greater than your desert, greater than your circumstances, to bring you through into a place of triumph so you can then fulfill the call and destiny of God upon your life. So let's join together and sing How Great Is Our God.